0: Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast sponsored by Moda Fabrics. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today. So let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat Sloan. I'm really excited when I find people who are new to me and I am out there looking at their website and they're doing really adorable projects and super fun things that we like, we all like to make. And that's what happened when I found Emily Thompson of, uh, her website's called Life So Savory. And she does all kinds of things, not just sewing, but of course I'm really attracted to the sewing. So Emily, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, thank you.
0: I love the name of your white of your of your website. You know, life sew and you've got like a sewing machine, savory. You do all kinds yes. of
1: projects. It's cute. <laughs> yeah, I do. You know, I had started originally my site as Naptime Creations when I had a bunch of little kids running around, and <laughs> a couple of years ago, I wanted to change the name to more reflect. Um sort of the future of where I was heading and give me more a uh, you know a longer term vision and um and because I do all sorts of projects, not just sewing, I wanted um the name to you know sort of reflect all of my life and I love the word savory and just you know how it can mean spicy and flavorful, and that's kind of how I feel our life is <laughs> so right um it's but just you perfect. know I do focus primarily on the sewing. So it's Mm -hmm. been great. How did you get
0: started writing about your um, adventures and your sewing as a website?
1: Um, More than 10 years ago, I was pregnant with my second son, and I was just kind of looking for a creative outlet. And back then, that was when um, I feel like blogging was fairly new. There weren't a ton of creative bloggers out there. Um, you had your few kind of major ones, and then that was sort of it, and I just was making this braided rug, and I started documenting what I was doing, and then i that was my very first post is I was just posting about oh. making this braided rug, and I just kind of went from there, and for a few years, it was solely just a hobby. I, when I could post, I would post, and whatever I wanted to post about, I kind of posted about and then maybe 5 or 6 years ago I really decided to pursue it more as a business. And um so yeah, I've been doing that since then.
0: So, do you have quilt
1: makers in your family? I do. My mom is a quilter and actually she sewed almost all of our clothes growing up because she said back in the early 80s that um she couldn't find quality cotton clothes for kids. It was all this polyester. She was, you know, a little bit hippie and wanted to dress us in kind of clothing <laughs> and not spend a million dollars. So she sewed all of our clothes, all of our baby clothes and all of our stuff growing up. And now she does mostly quilting, not mm-hmm. too much garment wear. Um but I she taught me how to sew originally and I kinda took it from there and have taught myself a lot since then. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: tell me about one of your your projects because, you know, you have a lot of fun things, but I really loved seeing the chenille that you were doing because you made it so easy. Can you tell me a little bit about about that, working that way?
1: Yes. So that's one of my all-time favorite sewing projects. It is a bit time-consuming, and every time I post the video, people <laughs> say, oh, that looks like it takes so long, and it kind of does, but the result is so beautiful, and every time I gift one of those blankets, people Mm -hmm. love it. So it really is worth the time and energy that I put into it because they're so well-loved. So what I do is it's more of a faux chenille, and I do it with layers of flannel that -hmm. you then cut and um, let them fray in the dryer. And so you end up with this really soft and cuddly frayed flannel layers, on the back Mm -hmm. of a front flannel piece that I put. So, you know, in the end, it's pretty pretty simple. You're just sewing straight lines and then cutting them, but the result is really beautiful. So
0: with the flannel, do you find you have to do something special with the washing? You know, like, you know, does it get a lot of threads or is it not so bad?
1: Um, The first couple times you run it through, it it is a big mess. You have to clean out (laughs) sort of all of your... Um, washer yeah. and dryer vents and um, I mean that's what you want. I want it to fray so mm-hmm. this is what I'm expecting but it is it is messy. Uh, it's nice if I can do a couple at the same time just so I can only I only have to clean things out one. Um, right. But so you on the back of your quilt you just sew lines about one and a half inches apart. You can go a little bit more narrow if you want and then you just cut in between all those lines. So you really have a lot of raw edges of fabric that are fraying, um, mm-hmm. but that's what gives it the soft, cuddly feel. Yeah.
0: Do you use one of those special – you know how, uh, Emily, there's some you know rotary cutters that have like a little uh, – like almost like a mat attached to them that you slide into there. Do you use those, or do you just use scissors?
1: I use just spring-loaded scissors, and okay. that has been – that's worked well for me. But I, I have heard – about these rotary cutters and i do not own one i probably should get it tried out this
2: is something i enjoy making
0: (laughs) right yeah i've i've tried it but it's been like so long ago i forgot yeah they still make them yeah so (laughs) i don't know yeah like they maybe they don't make them anymore let's go check that out Uh, yeah yeah you know you were saying you do the videos where are you running your videos at
1: uh, I do a live sewing show every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and I do that okay. on Facebook. And so um, those are a weekly episode that I have, and I just mm-hmm. run it through my Facebook page. And um, it's been super popular. Yesterday, in fact, I was sewing. I have a paneled um, paper-piece quilted Christmas tree skirt pattern that I offer on my site. And so yesterday I was sewing up one of the panels. I, of course, didn't sew up the entire free skirt, um, but I was just walking through how to do the paper piecing technique and um, showing people. And I think even you know some of those things I can have the step by step instructions on my website. But once people actually see it and see you know it's relatively easy to do once you get into it, that it's inspiring. And um, I had a lot of compliments yesterday on people just saying, "Oh, this is easier than I thought. I'm going to try this." So I love <laughs> helping people in that way. Yeah.
0: So what other type of things will you do on your, your live shows? Is it always sewing or do you, do you actually cook sometimes?
1: I can't imagine. Cooking I have live. in the past done cooking. Um, <laughs> I have so not great. done it super recently, but, um, I, yeah, I've done all sorts of things. I'll do sometimes just some uh, craft projects. It's more, you know, like cutting and gluing of fabric. Usually my crafts mm-hmm. involve fabric of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I'm cutting it on, you know, my, like, electronic cutting machine and then using it to do those sorts of, of projects as well. So you, you had
0: told me about, as a good segue, because you had told me about using the electronic cutting machines, and there's, you know, several different manufacturers out there that can yes. cut things. Which one, uh, what kind of things are you, are you ex- playing around with on those?
1: So I have the Brother Scan and & Cut, and I have their brand-new, one that is supposed to be able to cut thicker and heavier materials and fabrics. um, I haven't done it yet, but it's supposed to be able to even cut really thick felt. I have used them to cut leather and made really cute leather earrings. Um, So it's kind of fun to see those crisp lines come out without having to do any of the work. Um, But so, yeah, I've used my cutting machine to cut fabric. Um, to make like a doll, to make doll quilts and doll clothes, because sometimes those pieces are pretty tiny to hand cut. And yeah. then I've also used it to cut a lot of vinyl, which I mostly use as iron-on on clothes that I'm sewing, so you can mm-hmm. add those vinyl decals. And then I like to also cut fabric words that I've um, glued onto, you know, pieces of wood or canvases to make um, pretty pieces of art with fabric, And, again, the, the lines are so much cleaner than I could ever get, and you can experiment with fun fonts and all sorts of, of things.
0: So, like, for the fonts, I mean, I'm looking at your one that has the, um, it says, give thanks, which are the words. Yes. that. Uh, yes. Do, do you get the letters within those machines, or do you have to download it from somewhere else?
1: Actually, with the Scan and Cut and I think some of the other machines, I can use any font in my Computer library. So any okay. you know free to use you know commercial not commercial fonts that you are mm-hmm. able to find, you can just upload that. And I do use some Adobe programs as far as like Illustrator to do my design, but mm-hmm. then you're able to just transfer those right to the cutting machine. And the scan and cut is great because it doesn't. It's all um, connected through Wi-Fi, so I don't have any cords and my computer and my machine. Just communicate really easily, and so I'm able to transfer those designs and then cut them.
0: Ah, so the, now when you're doing the ones that are more, you know, like you're not stitching that fabric, you're doing it with fabric, but then you're applying it to a piece of wood or
1: something decorative. How do you get it attached? Yep. You- so I use like um, a craft glue, like Mod Podge oh. or something like that okay. to glue it down, and then usually I put a coating over the entire thing as well so the fabric doesn't fray or change Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so i really like that i
0: I love words so it's fun yeah it's fun that you could do it for something i hadn't really thought about using fabric on wood i mean or
1: yeah i think it's it's a pretty combination because there's you know so many gorgeous prints of fabric and of course mm -hmm. we probably all have a large stash of it (laughs) so it's kind of a way to use up you know smaller pieces or those scraps Mm -hmm. that maybe you know we can't use for other things so yeah i've tried to experiment with um using fabric in other ways beyond just sewing right
0: so how often are you writing something new at your website
1: i am posting at least two times a week on my website so um i would say Three quarters of the time those are two sewing related projects the other quarter of the time I am throwing that recipe or craft project or travel um post on there um but yeah so at least one one post a week is sewing related of some kind and then every couple weeks I I throw something else out there that I've been working on or something that I just want to share
0: Yeah, so for all the quilters who need really good, yummy recipes, visit Emily's
1: uh, recipe tab.
0: Yeah, they're really look And they're pretty
1: simple because I'm not a baker, but I do love to experiment in the kitchen. And so I've just kind of shared our favorites from over the years. Yeah. Well, Emily, this
0: has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. Uh, Everybody can visit Emily at lifesosavory.com. We will take a break and we'll be right back uh, with another guest.
3: quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Use paint to create a larger-than-life chalkboard wall in your sewing space. You can use it to keep track of current project information and shopping lists. Bonus batting scraps work perfectly as
4: erasers. Get six issues of American Patchwork and Quilting a year delivered right to your door. Each issue is packed full of quilting patterns how-to techniques and tips and tricks from the editors and designers and right now we have a special deal for all of our podcast listeners visit allpeoplequilt.com slash deal to subscribe and enter coupon code podcast at checkout to get 60 percent off your subscription find the link in our show notes you don't want to miss out are you a good starter of projects but not the best finisher Have you amassed a large collection of UFOs or unfinished objects? Join our private Facebook group to be supported by a community of quilters all working to finish their projects. Search for the American Patrick and Quilting UFO Challenge on Facebook to get started.
0: Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat Sloan. I'm really, really excited to talk to Michael Caputo, who has written two books and has been out in the universe for many years doing amazing, amazing quilts. He uh, is the author of, of a beginner book and a modern quilting book, both have just fabulous projects in it. So we're going to get uh, we're just going to pick your brain, Michael, and learn all kinds of really awesome stuff today. Thanks for being here.
5: Thanks for having me.
0: You know, one of the things I read about your background, and you and I chatted back and forth a little bit, is that you make a lot of things. Quilting is, you know, quilting is not your the only thing that you make. Um, what oh, other cool. types of, you know, things do you, do really speak to you?
5: Um, so my my background, I went to FIT in New York for graphic design. So I've been designing things pretty much my entire adult life. Uh, in terms of work. But before that, my dad was a carpenter. And so I remember growing up going to the lumberyard that he used to work at and, you know, building things around the house with him and being, you know, five years old and on the roof helping him. Uh-huh. Um, so <laughs> I've had a hammer and a an nail gun and a screwdriver in my hand since I can, I can remember. Um, yeah. So when I'm not building or when I'm not making quilts, I – build little things for around the house. So, like, I build my work desk and I build our dining room table and the outdoor sofa. So I just like working. I like using my hands. So if it's Mm -hmm. something I can touch and feel and assemble, I'm happy.
0: You know, I just love um, that people can bring what they make from one area and then just sort of Mm -hmm. go and pick up. You know, so you must feel like it's not that hard to learn something new.
5: No, I mean, I, it's a, sometimes it's a struggle. Believe me, I, I don't <laughs> get things right the first time on a lot of things, but it you know, you keep trying. I mean, I, I did, I learned how to knit because my wife and I were dating at the time and she wanted to take a knitting class. We went to Pearl down in, in New York City okay. and it was the worst experience of my life. <laughs> so for, for someone who likes to being tactical and touching things and using their hands to create Oh, it was it was excruciating. I got yelled at by the teacher. It was just it was a bad experience. But because <laughs> she liked doing it, I secretly you know when I got home, I would practice and practice and practice. And mm-hmm. eventually, I just gave her a uh, like this fairly intricate cabled hat. And she's like, "Where'd you get this?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, I made it." So. Yeah. It's <laughs> so trial and error practice,
0: right? Trial and error. You did. You tend to be able to figure things out because yeah. you've made other stuff. That's what. Yeah, that's what I find. So Michael, when did you discover that making quilts have a much stronger pull for you than doing some of the other things that you do?
5: So at the time I started making quilts, I was designing pop-up books for publishers in New York. And a friend of mine who I worked with at the publishing company was having our first baby. And I thought I'd give it a shot. My mom had taught me basics. It was, you know, she wouldn't make me anything because I had a dog. And (laughs) <laughs> so, I asked her to bring her spare machine in. She did, and then it was just a it was a combination of everything. I was able to use my color theory classes from college and use my design abilities that i would you know I've been working on for you know years, and then they just sort of all melded together, and then it progressively turned into what I do now um but it it didn't always start that way I just like making gifts for people so mm-hmm. you know this friend would get a baby quilt that one would get a baby quilt <laughs> you know it, it was just something that I would do in my kitchen at home in the city after work right and right it's just it's proof from there yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. From f- yeah. just from to fun. make things gifts for friends exactly
0: yeah so when, uh, you went to London and lived, it was mm-hmm. London, right? You, I know you went to the yes. UK, so, uh.
5: No, yep, London. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: London with your family. Your, your family went and you were living there when you were quilting already. So how did you, uh, find quilting mm-hmm. in London? How was that different?
3: Uh,
5: quilting in London is mostly traditional. At the time when we moved there, it was 2011, early 2011. The modern quilt field had probably just started maybe a year or so before mm-hmm. that. Um And when I was quilting in New York, I wasn't part of any group. So I'd, I'd go to the shop, I'd get what I needed, I'd go home and I'd make it. Mm-hmm. But when we moved to London, not knowing anyone, it was a way for me to, I don't know, get out of the house, meet people who had similar interests. So I joined one group that was more traditional than, very much traditional, more than I am. And... Mm-hmm. um And and then I found another group that had just started, literally like I went to their second meeting, I believe it was. Oh. (laughs) And it was it was a cluster of, you know, 10 people who were like minded, like the same fabrics I did. And then that was it. It was just sort of that was the group I'd go to. I sort of pushed the other one aside and and Mm -hmm. I focused on that.
0: Were you writing your books? You have you have two books now. Were you (coughs) writing those while you were over there?
5: I wrote the first book while I was in London. I was teaching a class, a curriculum. I would set up something for uh, a continuing ed program in North London, and the woman who was running it had just finished. She's a Rowan-based knitter, and she mm-hmm. was doing a knitting basics book for Seco Books um, in London, and they asked her if she knew of anyone who did quilting and mm-hmm. oh, raised her hand. Yes, I know someone. So I met with them. Um, if they wanted to keep it in the same vein of their other books, which is a lesson, so a technique to learn, and then a project to, that you're basing your technique on. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I did that 12 projects for Quilting Basics uh, while we were in London.
0: Ah, and then you recently came out with uh, your book, Modern Quilting, which is uh, 25 step-by-step projects, uh, and they are step step, uh, yeah. they're amazing. You have Thank such you. a wonderful sense of design
5: I I, when I they called to say the first book did well we want to see if you'd be interested in doing a second book I I said okay are we doing the same I'm coming up with a a, you know a lesson and then a project and they said no you can kind of do whatever you want and I said oh okay so 25 quilts then and she's like uh no no we can't do 25 (laughs) quilts you could we can we it was a sort of a negotiation between us about you know you can do 10 quilts, and then we need, you know, 15 other projects. Well, how about if we do 15 quilts and then 10 projects? Nope. Okay, yeah. so we settled on 12 and 13. But um,
4: they, it
5: was sort of a surprise for them. They let mm-hmm. me sort of loose. I did whatever I wanted, and then they just received boxes in the mail with stuff. Yeah. So, Which was nice.
0: Well- What is one of your, um, you know, it's hard, I know it's not fair to ask, what is one of your favorites in the book, but which one did you maybe enjoy designing the most, or maybe had some sort of serendipitous moment while making it?
5: I, my favorite one is the barn quilt that converts into the ironing board and travel Mm. cover sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a chance for me to to put a lot of thought and engineering, because that's kind of what I do, designing Mm -hmm. pop-ups, so... It was a chance for me to incorporate a lot of different elements to it. So, I mean, clearly it's geared towards my machine, but it can be adjusted to suit anyone. But everyone's going on these retreats nowadays, and no one brings an ironing board with them. So I figured, well, let's kill two birds with one stone, make a cover that converts into an ironing pad for you to work on. It's very clever.
0: That's very, very clever. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, ah, how did he figure that out? (laughs) It's like (laughs) – there's a lot of
5: folding no. and tucking things in, and yeah, yeah, that's what I do. Yep.
0: Well, can you give me just one more, tell me one more quilt in there that maybe the story behind it? We have, we have about three minutes.
5: Sure. Um, I'm trying to think because my favorite quilt in there is probably the one that my son helped me pick. So it's Hayden's mm-hmm. Quilt. It's, years ago, my wife and I went to San Francisco. They have an um, exploratorium there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff with, you know, different colored grouse and how you see, you know, basic shapes and different colors in between them give it a different effect. And I saw something about that technique. and I was like, oh, I can do that. And my son Hayden, he's going to be five and he likes blue mm-hmm. and orange. So he came <laughs> in and he went through the Kona book and he picked out his colors that he wanted. So that's his quilt. So he ah. picked out the colors and it just. If you look at it from a distance, you can see they're straight lines. It's just basically squares upon squares with a row in between, and and it just kind of looks like they're dipping and diving if you catch mm-hmm. it in the right way. So that, that was a fun one to do.
0: Yeah. I, this is a fabulous book. It's called Modern Quilting. Um and you can find it – well, you can probably find it from your links at your website. And you're building yes. a new website, so it'll be – I am. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll have a link to it. as Michael, and then his last name is com. Uh, yeah. So one more qu- quick tip. Give me a really fast
5: one, Michael. Don't be afraid to, to fail on things. Try things. So, like, I absolutely hated doing curved peeping. It was the bane of my existence. Um, until I forced myself to make a quilt a couple of years ago for Quilt Now magazine, which had like, I want to say it had 60-something, tiny two-and-a-half-inch mm-hmm. curve. Ooh. <laughs> so the more you do it, the more you find techniques that work for you. Don't be afraid to try different techniques or ask the people about things. The seam ripper was invented to pull out mistakes. So <laughs> everyone uses it. Don't be afraid. Um, and you'll find you'll find techniques on everything, you know. Certain mm-hmm. people do binding a certain way. You know, people do curved piecing a different way. So yeah. you just have to find what works for you. Yeah,
0: I love that. That is so true. Michael, this has been fun.
5: Thanks for having me, Pat. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So everybody can visit Michael, and we will be taking a break, and I'll be right back.
3: quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit ModaFabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Cut leftover binding into one and a half inch long pieces and use them as leaders and enders. Hi, I'm
6: Jody Sanders, group editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases to make a difference. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids homeless families, and others who are in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You will make a difference with every pillowcase that you donate. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com slash
4: million pillowcases join the annual american patchwork and quilting quilt along along with thousands of other quilters visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quilt along to choose your favorite project and get the pattern then get sewing share photos of your progress on social media using the hashtag apq along to join the fun
0: Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat Sloan and I found a website called Flourishing Palms and the, the quilt maker behind this is Linda Hungerford and she does amazing projects, just lots of projects and they, and I just was really intrigued by her work and so guess what? I have Linda here. Linda, thank you for coming on the show.
2: Oh, thank you very much. And thank you for your compliments. I appreciate that.
0: You know, I have no idea how I found yours. It's like a, it's like a little, like, you know, crumb trail, you know, you see one thing, you're there, there. Yeah. That's all of a sudden (laughs) I was on your website.
2: Well, thank you for that.
0: (laughs) So you've done a lot of things, including writing a book uh, called First Time Quilt Making. And you've been, how long have you been quilting now, Linda?
3: Oh,
2: if I tell you, you'll know how old I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I've actually been quilting since 1976, so a uh, bi- long time. The, the
0: Bicentennial, that was a yeah. huge kickoff yep, for that, quilt
2: making. It sure was, and I was one of those followers um, that had to go check out a library book and see what I could do for myself because there weren't very many places you could take classes back then.
0: No, no, and I'm sure you were probably about ten years old when you were doing this. So yes, yeah, so. y- you
2: know it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, one of the things besides your just amazing quilts. But first, can I can we just talk about teaching a little bit? Because you have taught so many people to quilt. Um, what sort of motivated you and when to be to really teach
2: others to quilt? Um Well, the start was back uh, when I lived in Iowa uh, at a church tr- and there was a particular church um, that I attended that wanted to make some quilts for a mission team to take uh, to mexico and so I thought well i can I knew how to make quilts, and I thought I'd help them make baby quilts. Um, that class I ended up doing three times at the church and we continued to sell send quilts and then um, Landauer Publishing contacted me about turning my lessons into a book. Uh-huh. So that's what I did for for the book First Time Quilt Making. And then from there, other churches in the area heard about this program that I was doing because I was teaching for free, um, but with the understanding that the quilts that were made would be given to charities or to missions. Mm-hmm. And so that continued... Um, and I developed that into a five-week series of lessons. And I tell you, when you do it thirty times, you get pretty good at it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can anticipate everything
2: by the by that, right? I can. It's amazing some of the questions you get. Um, but um, I, you know, no, no question is silly, it's especially for people who some of them had never even been at a sewing machine. So um, I I like to believe I helped launch a few quilters out there that are probably still continuing to make quilts because we sent during the time I taught um, uh, that beginner particular beginner series uh, we sent over a thousand quilts to other places around the world so it it was pretty cool
0: (laughs) yeah what is one of the tips that you can give you know what is something that having you know been a quilt maker quilted with people and taught what is one of your your primary tips
2: um I guess uh, mostly the the questions always come when it comes to free motion quilting. And the best tip I can give people is, you know, we all know we have to practice to become (laughs) somewhat proficient at free motion quilting. Mm -hmm. And I just hate to think that somebody feels like that's a discipline. They need to sit down every day and free motion quilt for half an hour. So put your heart into a charity quilt or a mission quilt. And quilts and all-over design, the best you can do. If it's not perfect, it's okay. But to me, that is where the growth happens, is is continuing to persevere but not putting a lot of pressure on yourself to be, mm-hmm. you know, good right straight out of the chute because we aren't. And I I don't own the quilt that I first quilted, and yeah. that's the best way to, you know, not beat yourself up over that sort of thing if right, it's not yeah, perfect. I, quick-
0: I agree with you. Just give them away, quilt it, and give them away. Like yes, so you can't.
2: Yes, and you, you're. Yes, you can make lots of charity quilts that way. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yes, yeah, so you get really good at
2: it. <laughs> yes, definitely.
0: So, what type? Tell me a bit about your quilt making now, because I assume that your quilt making has changed over the years, like yeah. like
2: many of us that started way back. Right, way back it was hand piecing and, you know, cutting out with scissors. And then the revolutionary rotary cutter came along and that changed everything. And then, and then free motion quilting became, it was kind of a, a unusual at first, but then that became the norm. Uh, and so as my, my style changed too, especially as the fabrics became available differently, mm-hmm. because um, as you know, you know, when we started, uh, there it was only blends, cotton and poly blends, and then, then there were cottons. But I have found that I've transitioned as the modern quilting movement has grown, and especially because I now live in Florida, and I mm-hmm. feel like I can get away with bright colors. Uh, I don't have to stick to that Midwestern, and I don't want to categorize it too generally, but our oh. our colors back in the Midwest tend to be a little softer, more subdued, Earthy colors, where earthy, hey, yeah. I can use lime green and orange and aqua in the same quilt, it, and you know, sunshine. I mean, it's just it goes with Florida, so that's where I've seen the biggest changes. Most is in my um, my stash. My stash is bright now.
0: You know what? I was you know looking at some of your you know more recent posts that you do at your website, and I was just thrilled i mean just like oh i just i just want to drive down and see your wedge quilt that you've been writing (laughs) about in october here
2: oh my gosh that's amazing thank you i have to give all credit to christina camelli uh she gave a webinar several years ago on wedge quilts and then she has a book out and based on her book and i i can't say i copied a pattern but i got launched after reading one of her patterns and i just Mm -hmm. started playing and Boy, you can just do amazing things, amazing things with wedge quilts. And I, I had the opportunity to give a little mini program to my Central Florida Modern Quilt last month on wedge quilts. And I could pretty much guarantee that anybody who sat down to make a wedge quilt, none of our quilts would look alike because it has so many possibilities. So that's what I, I had fun with. I made actually two wedge quilts and um, you know, I, lo- I enjoyed the process because it was something really different for me.
0: Yeah, Explain a, in just a little bit more depth what it is, because it's like a, a, everybody kind of can envision a Dresden plate um, shape, you know, one of the shapes. Right. Like this is sort of look bigger and, and with a little bit
2: more detail. Yes, it's, it's longer. Uh, you can use a nine degree ruler or a 10 degree ruler. And of course, I had one I bought, you know, 25 years ago and Mm -hmm. never used. So (laughs) it was a perfect opportunity. And you can, you can, you know, splice them, uh, you know, insert strips in them. Uh, you can make them all solid. Um, you can alternate colors. You can use stripes. I think using stripes and a wedge, you know, like, like you said, it's a Mm Dresden plate, but it's elongated or you can alternate the direction of them and make them take roads and curves and paths. And it, they just have lots of possibilities. Yes. Yeah, so you
0: need a, you need a design wall to sort of play around. Effectively. Oh yeah,
2: absolutely. But it, my the, the one I think you're referring to has punch um, solid and orange solid with white and then mm-hmm. some uh, aqua or turquoise in there. And, it took lots of iterations on my design wall. It was really fun to play with.
0: Yeah. So are you um, experimenting with entering your quilts into shows? Did I read that you've done that?
2: Y- yes, I have entered shows before. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess it's because it's competitive, but I really would like to uh, try to get a quilt into the modern quilt guild show, QuiltCon. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was kind of my thought all year long as i've made quilts is that this might be the one that gets in this might <laughs> be the one that gets in
0: <laughs> so you have one on the board right now that you're working on for for uh, that
2: no actually um I, i've entered everything i'm going to enter i you oh, know okay. i i put them in and now i'm moving on <laughs> okay, okay good, i'll just good. wait in here <laughs> yeah the
0: one goal done you yeah, know move on yes uh, right I also right. noticed we, we have maybe about two minutes. Um, I also uh-huh. noticed that you like to do hand stitching along with your machine stitching. Um, yes.
2: What do you use? Um, well, um, I, I, I love to free motion quilt. That's one of my um, favorite things, I guess, and I like to do it on a, a domestic home sewing machine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe everybody should can can accomplish it, but I've also learned, especially in the modern quilting movement, that you can really enhance the look of free-motion quilting by adding big-stitch quilting. And in my mind, big-stitch quilting is a little more forgiving than um, actual hand quilting. You know, hand quilting, I think they want, what, 10 stitches to the inch or 8 stitches to the inch. Mm -hmm. Where with big-stitch quilting, you can get away with a quarter-inch or three-eighths of an inch or even a half-inch an stitch. And you use, you know, size eight pearl cotton and make it really stand out, but, but can still complement, uh, your free motion quilting or just can be used exclusively on a quilt in place of free motion quilting. And I find that, um, it's, it's fun to do both. I really, I, like some people I know don't like to do handwork, but I do like the change in pace once in a while to go off of my machine and sit down with a hand project like English paper piecing or or big stitch quilting, yes.
0: It is a wonderful change of pace because we it get is. sort of locked into the uh, the zoom zoom, and and it's you can sort of let your mind th- relax a bit more when you're doing the handwork.
2: I think so, yes, definitely. Uh huh.
0: So your website is flourishing palms uh, Correct, Linda. Yeah, Linda. This has been just wonderful to get to know you.
2: Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you inviting me to be on your program. I
0: just loved hearing about this and I'm going to be going back reading through looking at your like zillions of quilts that
2: you've made. Do you have a oh, gorgeous, yeah. you've got lots of tabs. I and I have way too many quilts at my house. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad problem.
0: Well thank you, Linda.
2: Okay. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate it.
0: This is American Patrick and Quiltings podcast and we will be right back after the break.
3: quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Secure the tool used to change your sewing machine foot to the side of your sewing machine with a hook and loop dot. It's always at hand when you need to make a foot change. We know our listeners love a good deal. We have a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Get 50% off a downloadable pattern of your choice in our online shop. Visit apqshop.com, add a digital pattern to your cart, and enter coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Then get quilting. Visit our show notes for more details.
6: We've been doing the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast since 2011. That's a lot of shows. Search for guests, listen to past episodes, and read quotes from the show on our website. You'll even find a special welcome video from our host, Pat Sloan. Visit us at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast.
0: Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. Sometimes people write me with suggestions for guests and they'll say, have you gone out and looked at this or have you heard of so-and-so? And And I had several people write me and say, you need to look at Heather Black's work. It's just amazing. And of course it is. Uh, So I'm like, okay, let's talk to Heather. So Heather is a modern quilt designer, a pattern maker, and she uh, writes at quilt the juices so heather i'm so pleased to have you here
7: well thank you
0: you know you were telling me that you were always creative and that you really tried you know you like just like to make things you could you remember sort of what you started out with you know like when you were little
7: well i i always liked to draw and um i remember drawing at a really early age um drawing while waiting to pick up my sister from preschool, and she's two years older than me, so I was probably one and a half or two myself, and when I was nine years old, my mom um, put me in an oil painting class, and so I began oil (laughs) painting landscapes at a fairly young age, Mm -hmm. and I I really, really enjoyed oil painting, so that's kind of where I, I first started with my um, creative journey.
0: So when you oil, you, you do very modern quilts. Did you paint in a more, I mean, modernish style when you look back at it now? Uh, no,
7: not at all. It was very um, Bob Ross. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was the, the um, you know, going style at the time. But I still enjoyed mm-hmm. it and, and the whole process of creating something and basically paintings an illusion. You're trying to make something 3D out of a 2D canvas, and so I just, you know, just started off there. And I think some of the techniques I used in in oil painting helped me in quilt design. So,
0: yeah, that, but not that's modern. A very, yeah, right, not modern. Yeah, right <laughs> but that is interesting. Where you're trying to create an illusion. That's an interesting uh, way to explain it. You know that because uh, I can see that in your quilts where yeah. your yours have depth they've got sort of a different whole vibe to them. Um, when did you make your first quilt? How'd that happen?
7: Well, I had a friend and we'd come over and watch um a certain show every week and it really you know we were kind of sitting around realizing that this wasn't very good way, this wasn't a good way to redeem the time and she yeah. just looked at me one day and said, Do you want to make a quilt and um this was in 2011, and by then I'd really given up oil painting because I just, I always hated the brush cleaning process, <laughs> and um, yeah, so I just had kind of put it aside, and I was really starved for an, a, a creative outlet at that point, and I had dabbled in a little quilt making when I first got to college. Our, our dorm mother had a, a beginner quilt class that... I never even finished a whole block, but when she said that to me, I was like, oh, sure, yeah, let's do that. So that's kind of how I jumped into quilt making.
0: So in 2011, was there enough sort of this um, more contemporary work out there that you could find? Because some, some of the look has been around there a long time, but there really wasn't any Internet. So you know, the Modern Quilt uh, Guild and all that, Brought everything back onto the internet again, in, in its own you know vibe. What were you seeing those and thought that's it? That's what I want to do.
7: Well, I, I when we decided we were going to make quilts, I wanted to make a quilt that matched my home, and my home mm-hmm. um, isn't overly modern, but I wanted um, you know I knew a traditional quilt was just not going to work in the decor. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually didn't know about the modern quilt movement at that point. I just sort of looked around my own surroundings and decided what I liked and picked out um, um, a quilt pattern from a tile design. And that's kind of where I went with my first quilt. And then once I started, um, like you said, searching the Internet, I found more and more of the aesthetic that I liked. The first thing I Mm -hmm. stumbled upon was um, the fresh and modern Quilts group on Flickr, and mm. I was like, "Whoa, this is exactly the kind of stuff I want to make." So that's kind of how it, how it all started. Definitely evaluating my surroundings with what I liked, and then how I can apply that to quilt.
0: I miss those Flickr days. They were they were great. They were. I
7: I know. I feel kind of bad for Flickr, <laughs> but yeah, it was it, fun to go on there.
0: Yeah, it was it was fun. That was uh, always there. Were always great communities there, uh, which now they're they found other homes. Uh, so I noticed, uh, Heather that a lot of you use curves a lot um, more than maybe you know every the everyday person does. What do you like about the circles and curves?
7: Well, for for me, it's a good way. Um, I well, first off, I really like designing with circles because of the completeness. Of the look of the shape and I think it's very versatile when I'm trying to add depth because it's really easy to layer depth if you're putting um, you know more of a like a four-sided shape behind or in front of a circle it just your brain reads it really fast like that's behind that circle or that's in Mm. front of that circle Mm -hmm. so um, but I just have been drawn to really the completeness and the just the the shape itself is just really um, calming to me. So that's why I tend to use it a
0: lot. You have uh, won awards for your your quilts. Um, Tell me a little bit about the Urban Trek quilt.
7: Well, that was the um, first quilt that I ever had published. And um, I tried a couple times to get some other designs published, and it didn't really happen. But I didn't want to give up because it really – I saw quilts in magazines and I was like, I think I could do that. That looks like something mm-hmm. I would enjoy writing patterns. And, um, so I finally got one accepted into modern patchwork and, and that quilt, just I just really loved it. So I entered it in quilt con and, um, it won the first place use to negative negative face award at that mm-hmm. show. And it was just really exciting. Um, especially to win an award at quiltcon when i was amongst so many peers and people that i look up to and to be recognized at that show mm-hmm. is such an honor
0: and you're doing your own quilting i mean you're a uh, your that that part is also yours the design because you know particularly a lot of your quilts have space where you can showcase that
7: yeah i um actually the first quilt I ever made, I hand-quilted. It was queen size, and I hand-quilted <laughs> a stipple design on it because I didn't realize, I didn't know yeah. at the time that you could quilt a quilt on a domestic machine. Right. Yeah. So I've actually never gone back and hand-quilted a whole entire quilt. It took me like three months the first time, but once mm. I realized, wait a second, you can quilt this on your sewing machine, I started um, quilting using a walking foot. And... I used to be really down on myself about my quilting because I wanted it to look like so-and-so's or I wanted my quilting to be as good as hers, and and I just couldn't do that with a walking foot. So I finally, just one day it hit me. I was like, I don't need to be what I perceive as the perfect quilting. I just need to perfect what I can do, and Mm -hmm. that really freed me up to explore my own kind of quilting design and the way that I like to quilt things and it just was a really freeing experience and at that point it also allowed me to improve on my quilting instead of trying to force it into a box where it didn't really fit so yeah but i do quilt and i have a long arm now and um i like to i still like that straight walking foot sort of feel so i mimic a lot of that on my
1: long arm
0: yeah it's It's really amazing how our own thought process can sort of lock us into a path at times. Um, It's really great that you sort of broke that for yourself and said, no, I can do it. I can do it. Yeah. So do you have a tip, you know, that you can share maybe for, you know, branching out and trying free motion quilting? Um
7: don't oh, know i don't really do free motion quilting too much but mm-hmm. i um, or
0: walking foot quilting it doesn't oh, matter, walk- you know.
7: well yeah. yeah just you know i would use, i one of my biggest tips with walking foot quilting is you really do need to have some sort of register mark or some way of marking the quilts so that you can get um those straight lines and um that's one reason why i upgraded to a long arm because i got tired of doing it was like quilting twice i marked and then Mm -hmm. i i actually sewed and on the long arm i can design on the using the computer software and then quilt and so it kind of condensed the steps but Mm -hmm. yeah my my recommendation for walking foot is is um find some way to mark your quilt i know there's you can do temporary marking with like you know a hair marker or something like that or Mm -hmm. or you can actually use there's quilt pens things but yeah marking the quilt first I think leads to more success and you'll be more happy with the outcome.
0: Yeah that's actually a really good tip because I think people I know for myself I don't like to mark so you know if I can avoid it I do but it does bring your work up to another level if you have a plan for what you're doing.
7: Yeah and you don't have to mark every you know every line or every stitch just enough Mm -hmm. that you know, like my walking foot is an inch wide, so I know if I put inch wide register marks on the quilt when I was mm-hmm. walk, doing the walking foot, then I could quilt within those those inch lines whatever I wanted because it matched my walking foot width. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you can put on, um, there's bars, measurement bars and stuff that you can attach to your walking foot. So if you're more comfortable in like a two inch or four inch, you can do that. Mm-hmm. but yeah, it doesn't have to be every line, but definitely some sort of register line to keep <laughs> keep you on track.
0: Yeah, that is fabulous, well, Heather. This has been so much fun to get to know you and hear about uh, hear about your quilts. Well,
7: thank you. I'm just I was excited to be asked, so thank you so much. Yeah.
0: So, everybody can visit Heather. You can find her, uh, you know, started her website, Quilt Massachusetts, like Massachusetts, but with Quilt in the front. And uh, then you do a lot on Instagram. Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay, so this is uh, American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. Visit me online at patsloan.com and visit the magazine at allpeoplequilt.com. We will see you uh, next time. all and thanks for listening if you love the american patchwork and quilting podcast please subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast app and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us have a creative week